<laughs> I happen to have giant earlobes, so I could have like five or six uh, earrings in here if I wanted. Welcome to Think, Act, Get with James Shramko and Ezra Firestone. What you think determines how you act, which results in what you get. So join in now as we discuss how you can think differently, act faster, and get high performance results in your business. Welcome to Think at Get podcast, episode number two. How are you doing, James? Going well, thanks, Ezra. It's great to catch up again. It's been about a week since we got the first episode recorded. How have you been? Man, I've been so good and so busy. I'll tell you what, I've got so much respect for you as a product creator because I've been spending like the amount of time, energy, effort, hustle uh, it takes to create an information product is uh, uh, is impressive. <laughs> I didn't realize what I was getting into, so I've been uh, I've been working hard creating my products, man. Yeah, well, there's whole books on this subject. And I imagine you probably don't suffer this as much as others. I, I may be wrong, but for a lot of people, they get sort of stuck into the product and they make it such a big thing that it gets daunting and overwhelming. So there's the books about this like War of Art and I think it's Turning Pro by Stephen Pressfield. And he talks about this sort of demon of the product trying to defeat you. And then you have these doubts of self-confidence and you think, oh, I'm not sure if people are going to like it. And I remember grinding out traffic grab. It really was a grind. I'd create, I don't about 24 different slide decks and then fill them all with pictures and actually have, there had to be good information as well. It's not just the, uh, the layout and, you know, like coloring in at preschool, you've got to have good info. And then I'd sit down and record them. Then I had to sit down and edit them. And then I had to process them all into MP3s and then I had to get them transcribed then put them on the website. The good news is I sold thousands of them <laughs> and made a good six figures from it, built up a whole sort of awesome reputation off it. That's the plan. So it was worth it. If you could tap into the end result of what is going to come and know in advance, that sort of helps. But I think there's also this other thing. I've seen a great presentation by Derek Sivers about you can sometimes get so attached to the outcome and it's like you've already experienced it and then it makes it even harder for you to complete your goals. So that's an alternative viewpoint. Yeah, I'm not having that experience of um, freak, you know, freak out around, around you know, not worrying about people not liking it and all that stuff. I'm just having the experience of, oh my gosh, there's so much to talk about. How do I distill it down? Right now, I'm, I'm at about three and a half hours, uh, 20 modules, and I'm only halfway done. So I just feel like what I need to do is talk less. That would be you know, a good strategy or you know, be a bit more. One of the things that you do really well that I'm always quite impressed by is you're very good at analogies. You know, on, on the last Silver Circle call, you were talking about uh, uh, David and the block of marble. And it just, I just, that just resonated with me. And I thought, man, I'm just going to keep listening to this guy and how he uses analogies because using analogies to explain stuff, um, I've noticed, has people be really happy with you when you're talking to them. So um, that's, that's one of the things I'm trying to practice with this course is just distill it down to what they actually need to know, not what I want to talk to them about, you know? Well, yeah, I've put a lot of focus on this since I run Masterminds and I am creating products, a lot of products. Ultimately, you just want people to get a result. At the end of when they've done the product, they want to get a result. And if you can get that result with the least amount of effort or input possible, that would be ideal. You give me $50, I give you $100 back. If that was an investment plan, you haven't gone to too much effort. 
that's an easy system. You don't have to explain to you quantum theory or economies of scale and all this other stuff. If it's irrelevant, you don't care. <laughs> Just you give me 50, I'll give you 100. That's, that's a great system. So keeping it simple. So how does this um, make you think and reflect about time? Is that our topic? Yeah, well, that's our topic for the day is timing and what role does that play in your business and you know how much time does it take you to do things? I got a bunch of stories that I'd like to share about that. And the first one is about, about a guy named Johnny, how you doing? Um, and you have to say it just like that. So I used to play poker for a living. Not a lot of people know this. I moved to New York at 18 years old and I played poker in these underground mafia-owned poker clubs. And in order to, um, you know, to play the big stakes games, if you want to play poker games where you're, you know, where, where you're betting $1,000, $2,000, $3,000 a hand, um, you, you can't find that at any old poker club. You have to get invited to the big games. And those are the ones where the guys who are actually in the mafia are playing. You know, we got guys with slick back hair and gold chains and wads of money. And uh, I'll, I'll give you the name. So there was a game that I used to go to on Saturday nights. It started at 6 p.m. And at this table every night we had... Sonny Franchisi, Frankie Bananas, Vinny DeLimo, Paulie Walnuts. And, uh, the, you know, I didn't tell these guys my name because I was kind of afraid. And so, I, and I really wanted to fit in. And I was really nervous. So I'd always say, how you doing? How you doing? So they started calling me Johnny. How you doing? I could not win for the life of me at this poker game. You know, I could not win. I was a really good poker player. I was making a living at it. And I just couldn't win at this game. And so what I decided was that um, this was one of the games where they served alcohol. Uh, so I decided what I would do is instead of showing up at 6, I'd show up at midnight when everyone ha- had had a few drinks in them. <laughs> and so I started showing up to the game at midnight. You know, I'd go to sleep at, you know, 4 p.m. on Saturday. <laughs> Unfair advantage. Show up at the game at midnight sober, and I just started cleaning up. And so that was the right time for me to play at that game was when I had the competitive advantage because other people were drinking. And, you know, this crosses over into my advertising campaigns. Oftentimes in e-commerce, I can't make money at certain times of the day. I can't make money in certain locations. And so it's really important in your business to pay attention to what time and where are your messages relevant. Um, does that make, you know, that? Yeah, you know, it reminds me of this story of a blind guy who challenged the top golfer to a round of golf. And he bet a huge wager on the fact that he could beat him. And the golfer felt sorry for the blind guy and said, look, I don't think that would be fair, you know. He said, no, no, I I insist. And so the golfer accepted and he said, all right. Uh, So we tee off at midnight. (laughs) (laughs) It's the same thing. But it's it's such a good point. Yeah, there's sometimes when you know you can win and there's other times when uh, the timing's terrible and you should get out. And markets are like that too. I noticed this actually when I was selling cars. Car sales market is very product dependent. If you happen to have a very limited range, like a one or two car model range, and you're not in the right time in the market, it doesn't matter how good you are. If it's not a good car at that time, it's very hard to sell. Whereas if you have a multi-product range, uh, which I was lucky to have with Mercedes-Benz, there were so many cars all the way from... 30 something thousand dollars up to 700,000. Some of those models are hot right now and other ones are just dogs like they do not move and that's a good example. So we would focus on the ones that were hot. Work with your strengths and if the timing is your strength then that sounds great. I imagine you could take that turn up late while they're all drunk formula and really scale that up. 
Oh, it was great. It was the only way I ever played poker after that. It was fantastic, man. You just <laughs> you show up on the late night. It, and it turns out there's a guy called Barry Greenstein, for any of you poker buffs out there, um, who who sort of approaches poker from the mindset of a businessman. You know, he's not going to play cards. He's going to, you know, he's going to work. And he talks about that in his book, actually. I read that later, um, showing up, you know, after folks are tired. So it actually turns out that other folks have thought of this as well. And it brings me to my next story, which is my skincare company, Boom by Cindy Joseph. Now, it turns out in America, I may have actually told you this story, James, um, in our society, men... We're lucky. We're valued for our production. So as we get older and as we make more money and as we produce more, we get more social clout. We get more social um, power in the society. Well, women, on the other hand, are valued for their youth and beauty. And and that's, that stems back to 100 years ago when women really only were valuable in their childbearing years as far as society was concerned. And so nowadays um, – Women, as they get older, they kind of get ignored and cast aside. And, 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 and right now in America, we have 76 million women who are collectively having this experience, who are collectively going through the experience of menopause and graying hair and wrinkling skin and, and having society sort of pay less attention to them. And, and they're not really happy about it. And it really is a bunch of, you know, it's a bunch of bullshit. Uh, pardon my French. Um, it's not, it's not, they're not actually less powerful people or less cool people. They're just experiencing the phenomenon of their bodies aging on the outside faster than they are aging on the inside. They don't feel any different. They're just bodies look different. And so, um, that, that allowed us that, so we have this, what's cool about, uh, co- groups of people having collective experiences is you can then talk to them about it. So we started Boom by Cindy Joseph, which is the first pro age cosmetic line. It's a cosmetic line geared towards, celebrating you whatever age you are and not toward, you know, everything out there is anti-age, anti-wrinkle, anti-women. And it was the right time to talk to this group of people about, hey, look, you know, so the point of that is that you can actually, uh, you can use timing in your business if you're paying attention to the experiences that people are having. If you're looking at what, what's happening with my group of customers right now, what experiences are they having right now, you can then talk to them about that and you can use own the race course, right? You can use a video blog. You can use um, own the race course is a course that that James puts out that uh, that James put out that I'm a, a huge fan of and that I use in all my businesses and that I'm I use in Boom as well. So yeah, I think they call this uh, cohort analysis as well a, a group of people that you can watch and move move through the system. So we're moving through the system of getting old, and you can watch that when they talk about how there'll be no money later on because all the people now will be needing social security and dependent on the government to pay for everything and then the young people you know always the young people are the enemies they don't they don't have the right attitude or they they're not going to be able to support themselves later <laughs> so they're talking about this whole group moving through so you've picked a market segment that must have enormous spending capacity and is ready for a little bit of acknowledgement and appreciation yeah, yeah, they've got a lot of discretionary income, which is great. And they, you know, there it's there's nobody talking to them about this. There's nobody giving them reality on the viewpoint that they are right just the way they are. And I believe that to be I believe that about every person. I think about that you listening to this podcast right now are in the perfect spot in your business. You're actually doing really really well or you wouldn't be listening to this podcast. And so, you know, the first two points if you combine them are making me think of a movie that I watched called Moneyball. Have you seen that? No, I haven't. It's a great movie. It's a Brad Pitt movie and he's 
basically in a system that judges all the players against you know their their traditional classic and a pitching arm or whatever. I'm not a baseball guy. You can probably easily tell. But what he did is just work the numbers. He just he picked people for their ability to consistently do what it is that is their special skill and not go for the traditional things that people are looking for and completely flipped the game on its head and, and turned that whole sport from then on into more of a numbers game. And that rolled across to other sports and it, it is also applicable for business. And we even implemented the same principles in our sales team, not going for the classic sales wah-wah-wah type salesperson, but going for the people who came from service industries or were teachers or pilots, really good at following instructions. And you could literally map out all the things, but they were doing stuff well in the timing parts where the, the normal salespeople wouldn't. A salesperson, for example, is not interested in talking to people if they're not ready to buy today. But the pilot or the teacher or the guy that used to work at the Hilton He'll just serve the customer even if they're not ready today and eventually that customer will be ready and then that person will get the order. So they were playing a longer timing game there but it, it was just interesting. I think taking some science from your Johnny, how you doing, and uh, working out who's the perfect target audience for that uh, approach, you've got a really powerful combo. What else you got for us, Ezra? Yeah, with this whole timing thing. Um, one of the things that's pretty cool right now is that we uh, a lot of people are not happy about this. That Google commands they just released the newest uh, uh, search. You know what percentage does each uh, search engine own of the market share? So of of the of the total number of people searching on all search engines, how much does Google own? And it turns out they have sixty six point three percent of the market share right now, which is just an incredible amount. And what's cool about that is what Google's doing. Right, we all know that their goal is to organize the world's information. Well, what Google realizes is this concept of universal media. Uh, uh, they, they've got they, they've integrated universal search into their search results, and what that means is that they they understand that people like to consume media in different formats. There's certain people who like to listen to podcasts. Some people like to watch videos. Some people like to read PDFs. And if you're going to organize the world's information, you need to have the media formats that people like to look at. And so that gives us as as marketers, as advertisers, as business people, a really cool opportunity. If we know what's going on, if we know what time it is as far as Google is concerned and, and how they're using their algorithm, we can use a process like Own the Race Course and we can create a video and we can use Use that video to create every single one of these media formats. And the cool thing is, is that you can convince Google that a specific media format is relevant for a particular query. So, so let's say your query, like my query, is pro-age cosmetics. Well, I can take a PDF document and I can optimize it for that term and convince Google that this media format is relevant for that query. Yeah. Well, I think what you're saying is that if we are willing to expand and explore more rich media sources. It's more of an open field now. To We've got other, other races we can enter and still get first position. Exactly, exactly, exactly. There's more than just the old-fashioned, let me have my web page show up number one on Google. We've got, because of what they're doing and because of where we're at, We've got so many opportunities to generate traffic to our businesses. Plus, there are whole ecosystems even outside Google, which is great. Like Amazon is a pretty big ecosystem and iTunes is another big ecosystem and Facebook. So it makes sense to think on a large scale which ecosystems 
uh, working well. And you know why I like Facebook so much? Back on the topic of timing, it's because pretty much every adult in a Western society is on Facebook. And the, the thing is there's certain times – I know when I travel – that I mix with a whole different group of people on my own Facebook page and my own friend wall. I'm seeing different flavors and, and different people's activities when I'm in a different time zone. So as a marketer, it's very good to pay attention to what time of day you're putting out your content and who you're interacting with because you'll have certain patterns where you cross over with people and when you miss people. Yeah, and by the way, quick tip on that. Uh, we've been doing uh, uh, just significant amounts of split testing on which t- what time when we post on our Facebook walls for our different e-commerce stores and our websites and stuff like that, what time do we get the most organic interaction? Now, not paid interaction, right? Because when you're paying for ads, when you're promoting your post on Facebook, that's going off all the time. But when you post it initially, if you post it at noon, do you get more organic spread? If you post it at 1 p.m., like when should you post on Facebook to get the most um, people to see it? And it turns out that 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time is working really, really, really well right now. It's getting us about 25% uh, higher than any other time. And I think that's because folks are getting off work around that time. Oh, that is awesome stuff. All right. We know what time it is, Ezra. I think it might be time for the weekly willpower wager. Let's roll it. (laughs) All right. So here we go. I'm going to ask you listeners to connect your ears. Now, that might sound really, really weird, and it is kind of weird, but I want to tell you a little story, and that is that when we're babies, when we are babies, like you touch a baby, if you rub a baby's belly, it doesn't know not to feel that on its whole, in its whole body. So if you touch a baby, it feels that sensation across its whole body because the body is connected by the epidermis, your skin, and your skin is full of all these nerve endings. And so basically, your entire body is connected. And if you're touched in one place, you can feel that in any other place in your body. But we learn as we grow up to localize pain, to localize sensation. So if we burn our finger, we don't want to feel it in our foot, right? But what I want you to do for, the, for this next week, I want you to try this every single day for five minutes. I'd like you to connect your ears because if you're, the theory behind this is that if you connect the nerve endings in your head, you will be a sharper thinker. Now, it might be a crazy uh, concept, but I believe it to be true. So here's how you do it. You uh, begin by rubbing both ears. You put your thumb behind your earlobe and you put your index finger on your earlobe. Now, I've got really, really big earlobes, okay? If you have small earlobes, it might be a little harder (laughs) to do. I'm definitely going to take that piece of the audio and put it in front of this episode. (laughs) (laughs) I happen to have giant earlobes, so I could have like five or six uh, earrings in here if I wanted. So anyways, put your, uh, put your thumbs behind your earlobes, put your um, index fingers on your earlobes, and ru- rub in a clockwise circular motion. And get a good rub going. Go for about you know, 25, 30 seconds. And then keep rubbing with your right hand, but let go and rub like you know, a quarter of an inch above your earlobe with your left hand. And see if you can feel what you're rubbing in your right earlobe into your left earlobe. See if you can connect your earlobes. And if you practice this every day for five minutes for the next week, come back, report to us on iTunes. Let us know how, how rubbing your ears went. Let us know if you connected your ears together. It's a really cool little exercise. And you can do this with any other part of your body too. I just like the earlobes because it's, uh, well, the earlobes is you know, central to, your, to your, uh, the nervous system of your head and spine. And we're trying to be sharper thinkers as marketers. So connecting your ears will help you do that. And just don't attempt this if you're in a sales negotiation scenario because 
it looks like you're a bit of a liar. <laughs> if you keep tugging yeah. on your ear, it's a dead giveaway. <laughs> no. Oh, no, great no, tip. No, All right. Yeah, uh, I got one more wager. Oh, okay, guys. go this, on. Yeah, and you know, we could save this one for another week, but, but I think it's kind of cool. I'd like you guys to go ahead and try to give someone $5. Someone that you don't know, try to give them $5. And I'll bet you it's going to be much harder than you would think. You would think that people would be like, sure, I'll take your five bucks. Turns out, not so much. So complete stranger, and you have to give them a reason to accept your $5. It turns out people need a reason to accept money. They're not just willing to accept it, you know? And when you think about it, well, let's just, let's stick with the wager for a second. What I want you to do is go to someone, a complete stranger in the market, at the store, wherever you are, and try to give them $5 and come up with a reason and see if you can get someone to take $5 from you and let us know what your reason was, how you got someone to take your 5 bucks, and let us know what reasons failed. Um, I think that's a really, really good exercise. And the reason why I want you to do that exercise, the reason why we're bringing that one up is because you know money in and of itself holds no value. It's just paper, but it's what we trade for things that we consider valuable. And people have a really hard time accepting money and having money. So I want you to think about if someone came up and tried to give you five bucks, would you take it? I would definitely take it. I would just be like, hey, thanks for the five bucks because I'm willing to take the money. I'm willing to have money. So um, I think that would be an interesting test. I'm wondering if it's somehow connected to fear uh, that they've been exposed to so much marketing that, that you know if you take that uh, television or the refrigerator today and there's not, you don't have to pay anything but you're going to – gee, they're going to come after you like in a year from now on that 20% interest charge or whatever on the credit card. I'm just wondering if they've been conditioned that there's a catch, that there's always a catch. I think they probably have, and I think it's your job, listeners, to get, to, to convince them to take your five bucks. I want to see. I want to see how many people can give away five dollars. All right. Well, let's talk about news and updates. Okay. So, um, news and updates. Guys, I got a, a course coming out called the Brown Box Formula. It's an e-commerce course, um, and you can find it at brownboxformula.com. I think you're going to enjoy it if you're interested in retailing physical products online. goes through everything from how to find a market to how to set up your store to how to get traffic, all that cool stuff. And then here's something else that's going on. Um, I've started a, a meetup um, called the Manhattan Marketing Meetup here in New York City. And it's, uh, it's, I'm, I'm, my goal is to gather entrepreneurs and business owners in New York City and share with them what's working for me and my businesses and my businesses, and just talk to people about what's going on and have that community. Because everywhere I go, I have to travel to Austin, to California. Like I don't have a community of entrepreneurs here in New York that I relate with. So I'm creating that. And I'd like to share some results with you guys. It's really cool. Um, so I created a sales video for it. You can check that out at smartmarketer.com, which is my website, forward slash events. And you'll see the sales video for the meetup page. And I'm running Facebook ads. I've spent $380 on Facebook ads, and I've generated 1,300 clicks. I've registered 30 people for this meetup, and that's $1,050 in sales. Now, I'm not even trying to make money on this thing. I just have to charge people because if you don't charge people, they're not going to value it. So I put the ticket price at 35 bucks. And I've tripled my money on Facebook ads, and that's really cool. So if you're in New York City, um, check out smartmarketer.com forward slash events. Come to my meetup. I'd love to meet you. I'd love to talk to you. Um, and I just think that's kind of a cool thing. If you, and we talked about this on the last episode. You can. I'm doing this. I'm actually creating the group. I'm creating the, the group of people that I want to relate with by putting myself out there and saying, hey, guys, I'd love to talk to you. Here's what I'm doing. Come check it out. And I think that anyone listening can do that too. 
That is awesome. Any domain with a, a box in it is pretty cool. The guy I've, I've got ones with black box in it, <laughs> and, i.e. meaning uh, that the black box is that bit they have to get out of the aeroplane if it crashes. It's so valuable. It's more valuable than anything else. Uh, so we, we have the black box formula. That's the hidden secret thing that's never revealed. You uh, have a black you have a black box formula. Uh, I, th- I think it might be called method. Might be black box method, but you know method formula system. I definitely use it in in sales. It's where you hold something that no one else can know about or replicate, so that it's only you have it. It's also, by the way, used by employees who don't want to get uh, sacked, who don't want to lose their job. They have a black box that they hang on to. So the, the boss doesn't have anyone else who can do it because the employee will hold the black box and you don't know what's inside it. It's the same thing that those uh, software traders use. You know, they have the black box trading where you, you know, the computer or the machine will tell you what trades to, to do. So it can be used very cleverly for persuasion and influence. But it's an interesting uh, name. I like it. All right. So... Uh, well, we don't have any comments right now because we haven't produced our first show, and that was because of a very strange event. We had uh, we somehow duplicated our folders, and because I'm on such slow internet, I didn't know if it was just slow to download, uh, but it turned out it wasn't even in the same folder. So by the time we get to our next episode, I think we'll have some comments from our first episode. But I will give you an update in this section. Our website's coming along beautifully. The skin is being uh, designed and coded. The artwork is ready to go. The sound grabs are done. Episodes one and this one, number two, are about to get produced. And they'll go up together and it'll be submitted to iTunes. So if you're listening to this, it worked. Yay. <laughs> oh, man. I think that brings us to Think About It, which is our quote in each episode. And this quote is, the quote for this episode is, true intention is demonstrated by attainment. And I really believe that to be true. If you truly intend to have some to create something, then you will you will. So um, that's a sort of coming from the position of full responsibility and that you create your you know you create your world. So I believe that one to be true. It's by a guy called Vic Baranco. I love it. That that reminds me of the one about um, don't tell me about what you're going to do. Just do it and show me when you're finished. That <laughs> that gets real, doesn't it? It does. And it kind of brings us right into this first tip, uh, which is our mindset and strategy tip of the episode. And, that, and, and what that is is that you're only ever one step away from anything, it turns out. So all this 12-step stuff is really just not the case. You know, in the, in the scenario of the 12-steppers, you know who's making money off the 12-step are the guys who print the paper and the guys who serve the coffee. I'm not bashing the 12-step program or the folks who are uh, getting off alcohol. I think that's really, really good. I think it's great. But I also think that the, the reason they get off alcohol is because they decided they were going to get off alcohol. So what happens is that you perceive something with one of your five senses, right? You, you hear a sound or you see something. And when you do that, you have certainty on that thing. And it takes two senses to give you reality. If you hear something and see something you know that that thing happened. But if you just heard it, you're not really sure. Or if you hear something and then you ask a second person, and you're like, hey, did, did, uh, did you hear that too? And they give you reality on that. Now you've got, uh, now you know that that thing happened. So you perce- the, the way that you make up your world, the way that we uh, uh, perceive our universe is that we perceive things with, with our five senses and then we judge them 
as positive or negative, right? So when, when something happens, when an experience happens to you, you hear a sound or you have a, you know, an experience, you, you judge it as po- positive or negative. So we create our world by perceiving things with our five senses and then judging things. And things are only good or bad in relationship to our stated goals, right? It would be really bad if nobody showed up at my meetup because my goal is to have a bunch of people at my meetup. But that would be great for someone who didn't want to you know, hang out with anyone. So you're only ever one step away from anything. All you have to do is change your mind. Yeah, that makes sense. Cool. Okay, so one thing that I thought was interesting reading a book called Instant Influence is how they treat people who come to a hospital and they might be drunk or have taken drugs and they have to convince them that they need to approve medication and they have a little framework of questions they ask people to get them to make the decision to accept treatment and that I think is a perfect example of a one-step system. There's a few questions but they've basically gone from walking in in a bad way to accepting medication so there you go I believe you. Absolutely it's just you know if you can change your mind about something if you can decide like that's why I know that I can never be addicted to anything. Now I have had, uh, I've had, I've really struggled letting go of some things. But really, it just comes down to: Have I made up my mind that I'm going to let go of that thing or not? And once I make up my mind about it, I may feel some physical desires for it. I may, you know, but but if you, you know, your mind is the, is your strongest weapon, and and that's really just the truth of it. Okay, well, I'm going to give a tip about uh, repurposing. I'm doing something at the moment with uh, my business. I'm actually taking some of the older things that I've created that were classical or evergreen and I'm bringing them back. Uh, We see this with other companies too. We see sometimes like those old Nikes become fashionable again or old school watches, analog watches are still cool, like Daytonas and stuff. But I'm actually bringing some of my best interviews and I'm taking them from my old site and I'm just polishing them up a bit and putting them onto my new site And what that will do is stick it right in front of my current audience, (laughs) tying back in with the topic of timing. The people who I'm talking to now, a lot of them I've been dealing with for many years. Some of them have been on my marketing list and then left and then come back. Other ones have been there the whole time. And then there's a whole wave of new people who have arrived, especially in the last two years, for example, where my list would have at least doubled who've never seen some of my two-plus-year-old content that's still great. I've got classic interviews with people like John Carlton. And I'm going to take those interviews, polish them up, put them back on my new site, and then that pops up with my new Own the Race course marketing. It pops up as a press release. It pops up as a Facebook post. It pops up on Pinterest. It gets put into my new email list. So now old people who have seen it will go, oh, I remember this. It was great. New people will be, wow, this is amazing. I never even know you had it. In fact, I've got whole websites I think people haven't discovered yet. So this is a repurposing. Take the old, make it new again. We do it with clothes. We do it with furniture. We do it with cars. You can do it with your great content that shares your message and, and makes it perpetuate even further. Yeah, and that's something that you uh, that you recommended that I do that I'm actually in the process of doing. I did a speech uh, at, a, at, a, at a marketing conference a while back, and I'm going to be repurposing that as a freebie on my site. So I'm really, really excited about that strategy. I remember reading a guy called Tony Saruga, and he wrote something down in this long sales page that I still remember, and it was that he focuses on doing actions that have uh, repeat or leveraged payoff not one-time 
single payoff, but multiple payoff. And that is the beauty of us having a recorder. Uh, when you do speak at a presentation, if you can get it recorded, that can be put up as a slideshare.net slideshow from the PowerPoint. You can put it up on YouTube as a video. You can podcast it. You can transcribe it. You can make a book from it. So there's so many different things you can do with that same piece and leverage it across different markets. But it could potentially, that one-time effort of putting together that presentation where you spoke to a live audience could be generating you revenue for 10, 20 years. I guess like a successful book author. Yeah, speaking of books, I'm going to want to uh, interview you and on the, hopefully on this podcast about your experience with this book you're writing, how you're naming it, how you're figuring out what you want to put in there based on everything. I'm very curious about how you're doing that because, number one, I'd like to have a book myself at some point, and number two, I just think it's a really cool subject. Well, you know, if we get enough comments about it, I think we should definitely do a whole show on that uh, because we should address that phenomenon of how published authors seem to have or hold more authority out there in society and you know whether that's valid or not we know that the the big books a lot of the people on the cover never wrote them in the first place which is quite interesting so it'll be that will be an interesting discussion or you're going to give us another tip to well before we get to that one tip it just reminds me of one thing which is that if you have a whole group of people if, if the whole, okay let's say there's Brad Pitt and then there's another guy and everyone else in the world thinks is saying that this other guy's Brad Pitt well, then he's Brad Pitt because people agree on it. So agreement creates truth. If everyone agrees that one person's Brad Pitt and you're the only person who thinks this other guy's Brad Pitt, well, you're not, you know, you don't have, I don't know what I'm talking about, man. Forget about it. Let's move into this next tip. <laughs> okay. The next tip, the last tip for the show is a lifestyle tip. The question I want to leave you guys with is what makes you uncomfortable? What freaks you out? Answer that question and then go for that. So a recent example for me is meditation. I'm really resistant to it. My wife really wants me to try this stuff. I come meditate with me. Let's meditate in the morning. She really wants me to do this. And I have been so resistant to this meditation. And that gives me information about myself. If I'm super resistant to something, if I'm afraid of something, that's probably something I should look at. Why am, why am I unwilling to sit with myself for 20 minutes and, and, and be quiet? You know, what is it about that that freaks me out? So if there's something in your life or in your business that really freaks you out, that really confronts you, it's something really worth taking a look at because it's bringing something up for you so there you go all right well it's been awesome hanging out love to look at the comments from today's show awesome mate looking forward to it thanks for listening everybody we'll catch you on the next one this has been another episode of think act get with james shranko and ezra firestone for more tips and tutorials on how to grow your business faster visit thinkactget.com and join the newsletter it's free 